You know, that's how you own your position. We've been talking about this lately. That's how you go on offense, is by declaring the things that are true over the things that are false. And that's what you just did. You know, the whole kingdom, the whole kingdom reality is built on what is true and what is false. And there are poses or forces posed against us to try to get you to believe the lie. And it's easier to believe the lie than it is the truth because we're, we live in this culture of lies. And uh, what you just did by declaring biblical truth, by emphasizing certain aspects of the reality of the Bible, then you, you're entering into a kingdom realm and you're releasing, or God is releasing power in response to your faith. So that's what's happening there, in case you're wondering. Okay. Yeah. Barb said she's been hearing this phrase, detach and attach, and she said, what? And she says she's going further, it's detached from the world and attached to the spirit. And that's a good way to put what we're doing. You know, you live in the world all week, you come together here, you come together in other settings, life group settings, wherever two or more are gathered in his name, and you detach from the world and you attach to the spirit. Thank you for bringing that word. It's good. Well, I want to complete the series on Colossians this morning, message number six, in a six-part series. That would make it the last one. Uh, Turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Colossians chapter three. If not, it's okay. I'll be reading it for you. While you're turning to Colossians chapter three, the first four verses, I want to remind you that we're going to be having a very special uh, baptism service on Palm Sunday, April 13th, in the evening. We're going to do it in the evening. We're going to dedicate the evening to uh, getting jiggy with Jesus in worship, all right? We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to worship and we're going to baptize. It's going to be you know, that kind of a time. And so uh, I'm very excited about that service. If you'd like to be baptized, then I want to invite you to come to two meetings, one of which is next Sunday night. So, and then the two consecutive Sunday nights before your baptism, you come to a meeting with me. They're about 45 minutes long each, and we talk about what baptism is. We answer to that nagging question that some of you have, should I be baptized? Maybe you've never been baptized before, and you go, why should I be baptized? Maybe you've been baptized at some point in your life, and you're saying, you know, things are different now. Should I be re-baptized? And so we'll talk about those things and handle each of your questions individually and help you to answer that question Uh, and get you ready to be baptized. There's no need to sign up for this. You just have to show up at the meeting, okay? Show up at that gathering that we'll have next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And also, at that time, or in those two weeks, you'll be invited to make a very critical decision. Are you ready? Your critical decision is, would you like me to baptize you, or would you like Tony to baptize you, okay? And so some of you have established wonderful pastoral relationships with Tony, And we want to encourage you to follow that pastoral relationship. And if it would be meaningful for you to have Pastor Tony do the baptism, then we're all about that. So just wanted to let you know that you're not limited to me. Okay? There we go. Although I'm considerably more experienced in it than Tony is. The Bible says that if you're a Christian, you should be baptized. So come to that first meeting and investigate the reality of that for you. Okay? So uh, Colossians chapter 3, the first four verses, as we've been moving through this book, 
The Bible says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite your, your power on this word. We invite you to come and make it more than symbols for our minds. and Make it food for our hearts. We want to do the mental work. We want to be people who think. And we do think about these things, Lord, but we pray that you would come and you'd also help to just wake the baby inside of us that just wants to live and believe and follow you. Wake that child up, Lord, so that we can follow you, having thought through these things, that we can follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we invite you to come and make this word alive to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, so far in this series of messages, um, we've been talking about a few things. First of all, uh, Jesus is God. He's not sort of God. Uh, He's God. There are we. Are we clear on that? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each of whom are God, but not three gods, one God. I know. I don't get it either, but it's true. I don't fully understand that, but it's true. We also saw in this series in Colossians that it's all about grace, that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, that there's no religion that needs to mediate some additional grace to you to make it real. That if you have an association in a church that you love, that's fantastic. And you will grow in that. But you're not more saved by that. You're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone. It's clearly the teaching of Scripture. And, uh, you, and, and you know, I was thinking about another way to maybe illustrate this. And I thought of Judge Judy. I just think she's great, don't you? She's just so... Take responsibility for yourself for crying out. You've got to love Judge Judy, right? And have you ever seen one of those episodes where someone has won their case, but they keep talking and try to add to their case, right? And she'll stop them, and she'll say, uh, she'll say something like, uh, oh, what did I jot down here? Stop talking, sir. You've won your case. Hey, are you a Christian? Your case is won. Stop trying to help. Now live the life. Be filled with the Spirit. Live the life. Stop wondering if you're saved. Your case is won by the merits of Christ. Done. Stop talking. You've won your case. Let's move on, right? Yeah. We talked in this series about the complete Christian. That there's that passage that talks about the components of living the complete life in Christ. We talked about the other side of the cross. That the cross has two sides, offense and defense. We spend a lot of time in the evangelical church and really the liturgical church as well living on the satisfaction side of the cross, which is the defensive side, the part that defends us from our sin. And uh, we don't spend nearly enough time on the offensive side where this passage said that he triumphed over the devil, he triumphed over the law, and he made a spectacle of them, and that we now have the authority to go ahead in the power of Jesus. And that's kind of where we're not kind of that's where we're leaning. Last week I, I brought you a message, Live Free or Die, that Colossians says you have two choices. You can live by the law and die, 
Or you can live by the grace of God and live in freedom and live. Those are the two choices. And the Bible says that if you continue to depend on the law and your ability to be good, if you will, the Bible says clearly Christ is of no value to you. So our, our choices are simple. We can live free in the grace of God, in the liberty of the Spirit, or die. Die in our religion. No matter how hard we try, we'll die. Those are the choices. And I think we chose to live free, yeah? It's a little tougher place. It's easier to be religious and die. But it's better to be free and live. Does that work? Well, today I'd like to continue or finish the series, really, with a message uh, called It's Not Complicated. And basically, this this last passage that we'll be looking at really talks about the essence of walking our lives out as Christians. The essence of it is keeping Jesus in clear view at all times. That it's not complicated. It's not complicated that it's to keep Jesus in clear view at all times. Jesus was very clear. He said he wants it all. Jesus is very clear about his desire for your life. He wants it all. He said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, why don't we read that? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He wants it all. Take up your cross? Doesn't that lead to a hill where you die? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where it leads. He wants it all. So Jesus wants your whole life. God's perfect plan for you is to kill you. And then you can live. Then you can live. He also said it this way. Let's read. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He said, I want it all. I want you to keep looking forward. Don't be looking around. I want your full attention. You get that? Jesus wants it all. Just make no mistake about it. It's not a casual thing to come to God through his son, Jesus Christ. He wants, he wants the whole thing. He's really demanding it. Therefore, I don't know if you can read that one. Read with me if you can. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. He says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. He wants it all. He wants it all. Now, in case that seems somehow far-reaching, I need need you to consider a couple of things. Remember that the cross of Christ and his coming to you, God's coming to you, is a rescue mission for your eternal life, and Jesus is the only one who knows the way out. Did you hear that? That the whole gospel is meant as a rescue operation for you to, to fetch you from your sin, fetch you from condemnation, fetch you from the road paved to hell, and to lead you out, lead you out to life. Now the deal is that Jesus is the only one who knows the way out. So he commands our full attention. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, if there's only one who knows the way out, why would you want to look anywhere else, right? Thank you. And the other thing I'd like you to consider when Jesus is making these audacious claims on your life is that this is the most, perhaps the most loving and positive thing that could be said to you. That the God of the universe loves you so much, says, follow me. I love you that much, Josh. He says, just, just don't look away. I mean, not me. Jesus, 
because I love you that much. What more loving thing could be said to us by God, who has made a way for us to be reconciled to him through his son Jesus, than follow me, stay with me, I want you with me all the time. Stick right here with me. Keep me in plain view. Okay? So, as we get to our passage here, um, well, I guess I should comment also on this. Notice the connection between throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us and fixing our eyes on Jesus. I mean, don't raise your hand, but how many of you continue to struggle with habitual sin? Don't raise your hand, right? How do we get rid of that? How do we get rid of that? I'm trying so hard. He says, let us throw off, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let's run. How do you do that? By fixing your eyes on Jesus. 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 Next time you're going down, you're falling to that temptation. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Am I saying I'll promise you you won't complete the sin? No, I'm not. But a change will begin. A change will begin. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I can't think about Jesus when I'm heading in that direction. You better think about Jesus when you're heading in that direction, right? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Okay, back to Colossians, this passage that I read for you just a minute ago. Begins, begins by saying, since then you have been raised with Christ. It's telling you to set your hearts and minds on Christ, but it begins with the reason for that. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Do you see that? I mean, you don't have to be an English teacher to catch the tense of that, right? It's past tense. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Not since then, you're going to be raised with Christ. Not since then, hopefully someday you will go to heaven. But since then, it's done. You're already raised with Christ. The essence of who you are is now identified with Christ in the heavenly realms. Ephesians chapter 1. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this before I die. Many more, I'm sure. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. That the essence of who we are has been changed. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven. We are not citizens of this earth anymore. And we eagerly await a Savior from there. Is this making sense? Since then, you've been raised with Christ. It's done. It's done. You're found. Hey! Did you ever lose your car keys? Anybody ever lose their car keys? And you looked, and you looked, and you looked, and you prayed, God, you know where they are. Maybe showed you, maybe didn't. Raise your hand if you've done that. I've done that too. Yeah, you know where they are. You looked and looked, and then you found them. Ah, there they are. What did you do next? Okay, what did the rest of you do next? Oh, yeah, that would have been a good answer. Praise God, yeah. You got in the car and you drove away. You were looking for your keys, right? Did you say, I've got to keep looking for these things? I've got to keep looking. They're found. Past tense. Ready to go. So he's about to tell you to do something, but it is predicated, it's based on the concept that you know you are raised. You're raised. It's done. This is the Bible. And then he says, I want you to set, set your focus. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The focus, the focus, the focus of our life is now on Jesus Christ in his present reign of glory at the Father's right hand. Can you make a picture of that? Can you have some concept of a picture of Jesus at the right hand of the Father reigning in his present glory? Can you do that? 
I think you can, right? And it might be a little bit different from each of us, for each of us. But we can do that. And that's why the Bible says, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Set it. You can do this. How many of you like me feel like there are aspects of your life over which you have little control? And it's like, what? But this, this aspect is something the Bible promises we always have control over. The act of intention of where we're going to set our hearts and minds. Some of you feel drawn away in your thinking. And that's what the Bible says in James chapter 1. It says that each one of us is tempted when we are dragged away and enticed by our own evil desires. That's true. But in any stage of that, and in any circumstance of life, we still own the capacity to set our minds and set our hearts. We own that capacity. And people living in offense, people play an offense, set it. Right? Down! What comes next? Used to be set. Maybe they don't say that. Now it's Omaha, Omaha. How many times did Peyton Manning say Omaha? Wasn't it Omaha? Thank you, Charlie. (laughs) Set! 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 Get in your position and own it. Set! You can set your mind. You can set your heart. Set means get ready to launch. Set! Set your heart, set your mind on things above. And he says, don't set it on earthly things. Now, what does that mean? I don't think this at all means that we shouldn't be enjoying our life. I mean, is anybody having fun besides me? This ain't bad. Man, I have a family that loves me. I have grandkids that love me. I have a church that 97% of you love me. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm living a great life. I love this life. 97 is good for any of you who have been in the ministry, by the way. <laughs> and I'm probably wrong, but I'm living with it anyway. I'm living a good life. I enjoy every bit of it. I enjoy every stinking bit of it. Let's go. Man, yesterday I was working on my motorcycle. Oh, just getting it all shined up, ready for warm weather. <laughs> yeah, right. Here we go. I'm living a good life. I'm living a good life. You're living a good life. Enjoy your life, but just don't set your heart on it. Because it can't save you. No matter how well your life's going, no matter how poorly your life's going, it doesn't save you. Christ saves you. Set your hearts on Christ, then set your minds on Christ. Okay. And then he goes on. He says that things are not the same anymore, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died. You're dead. The old man's dead, still trying to come back to life. I get that. But in the reality, in the reality of the teaching of the Bible, when you authentically came to Christ, you died. You died. You identified, Romans chapter 6 says, with the death of Christ. It talks about in your baptism, you identified with the death of Christ by going under the water. You identified with the death of Christ that we may live a new life with him. You died. And it says now your life is hidden with Christ and God. That you can live behind the cover of Jesus. But you've got to keep looking at him, right? Things are different. Things are different. And uh, the old man's trying to come back to life. In our passage last week, Colossians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians and Colossians are so similar in my mind, just about living freely. Since you died with Christ. Since you, what? Died with, what did I just say? Since you died with Christ. So it was, a, it was an assumption that you knew that. 
since you died with Christ, to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And we talked about that last week. The old man is just always trying to come back to rob you of your freedom. But you're dead. And so as a result of that, you're resurrected with Christ, you're dead, you're resurrected with Christ, set your hearts and your minds on things above, it says. And then it goes on. It says, the fruit of your focus will be this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's cool, right? He's coming back. What is the result of keeping Jesus in clear view? Going to heaven. Having a relationship with him now. And this is the key. Listen. Keeping Jesus in clear view, in center view all the time, intentionally setting your heart. Not letting yourself wander, but then resetting your heart and your mind on Christ. This is the key to living the dynamic Christian life where you have experience with God. Jesus at the center, right? Are you getting this? It changes everything. Years ago when I was in flight training and trying to learn how to land a plane, turns out that's the hardest part. Taking off isn't bad. You get clearance from the tower, you mash the throttle all the way in, give it a little right rudder while you're going down to counteract the rotation of the, of the propeller, you get up to rotation speed, you pull back on the yoke a little bit, and those things will fly. It's true. They put, Getting off the ground isn't that hard. Tooling around on the, in the air isn't that hard either. You know, there's no stop sign. It's pretty easy, really. You make a turn, you know. Just keep the ailerons and the rudder in relationship with each other so you're not sliding through the turn. You're actually turning. And little things. It's very easy. Now, the landing, that's different. There's a lot to think about because you've got gravity working against you. And you don't want it to come too fast. And so you come down and you're learning how Oh, your instructor says, now at this, you're going to pull back to 1,700 RPM, and then you're going to make a 45, and you're going to come up. You're going to get on that glide slope, three-degree glide slope, and I'm thinking, okay, I got it, got it. You're going in, and you're coming in. And then at some point, as soon as you're over the runway, you just kill the throttle, and you just glide in. You don't really land a plane. You stall it right above the runway. You don't really fly it onto the runway. You just get it going. is the idea. Well, how do you do that? Well, you're coming in. And the inclination of my heart and every new pilot's heart is to do this. I'm going to watch the ground. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes. Boom! I don't know how those instructors ever did it. Nelson, you know what I'm talking about? How do they ever live with us, man? I mean, their backs. Boom! 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 And so they let you do that a few times, and they tell you what you're doing wrong. You're looking at the ground. You're looking at the ground in front of you. And then they say, okay, here's how we're going to fix that. When we get down there and you pull that throttle back and you're ready to just glide in, I want you to look as far into the future as you can see. I want you to look at the end of the runway. You're on a 5,000-foot runway. I want you to look at the... Uh, don't look here. Look there. Now, isn't that counterintuitive? Changed everything. Changed everything. Started doing what we call greasers. It's kind of greasing. It's cool. It changed everything for me. Changed everything. Far as you just keep that in view. This is the key to living the dynamic Christian life. Keep Jesus in view. Just keep him in view. He is the goal of your faith, yeah? Can I hear it? <laughs> How do I keep him in plain view? Let me kind of wrap up with this. A few, few 
suggestions for you. So Blaise Pascal in the 17th century, he said we all have this God-shaped hole in us, right? So a lot of our pursuit of God or our desire for God is similar to one another. But have you noticed that people more specifically do it a little differently than one, one than the other? In other words, if I asked, if you asked me, how do you keep Jesus in plain view, I would say this, and you would go, huh, not so much for me. That's not how I do that. And I want to give you permission for that. I want to say God has uniquely created you. And what if I could quickly give you seven different ways to keep Jesus in view, and maybe you could find yourself in there. Would you be interested? Say yes. Okay, good. Well, first of all, our whole goal is to keep Jesus at the center, right? Well, I'm going to give you seven ways. One is worship. That's so obvious, right? When we worship Jesus. Well, yeah, you're saying yeah, and I say yeah, Marie, but some of these people are going, I, uh, not so much. Is this like a three-song Sunday, I hope? Oh, my God, it's a five-song Sunday. Oh, my gosh. You know, and you're like, come on, you guys. And, you know, some of you are there, and the guy starts praying, the gal, and, they, and you wonder, is this where we're going to stop? I know. And then you hear another guitar chord go, and you go, oh, we're doing another song. I mean, God, I want you and all, but do we have to keep singing these songs? Hello? Don't raise your hand, but you're here. And you're saying, that doesn't do it for me. Well, what about prayer? What about prayer? What if I could get Jesus back in view? Maybe I don't get all jacked up by the worship and stuff. What about prayer? What about developing the discipline of prayer? What about, can you consistently find him in prayer? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Others you are going, no, still, I mean, I worship, I pray, but I'm still not seeing that dynamic experience with God. Okay, well, what about the Bible? What about reading the Word? What about, st- some of you are really cognitive people. You're wonderfully cognitive. You think about stuff. You, you work stuff out. And when you do that, and when you read the Word, and when you read great commentaries about the Word, when you read about the lives of strong believers, you, Jesus tends to come back in center of you for you. Great! Use your heads. Okay? What about, what about ministry slash service? What about going out and doing the stuff? In Jesus' name. Some of you, this is how you connect with Jesus and how he comes back into center view. It's sometimes called the Martha side of the equation from that epic struggle in Luke 10 between Mary and Martha. Mary who just wanted to worship Jesus. Martha who was worried about making sandwiches for Jesus and all his friends who just showed up at her house without an announcement, right? And so Martha's this one who serves. One who serves. And this is a fully legitimate way to keep Jesus in view. I'm married to Martha. I mean, I am married to Martha. And, you know, these bags you're taking home today, guess where that came from? You think I thought of that? I'm trying to figure out how to squeeze another prayer meeting in here. She says, why don't we just put some stuff in bags and send them out in Jesus' name? That's Martha. Are you getting this? It's Martha. And I mean, it's not that Karen doesn't enjoy worship and stuff, but in her mind, I'm sure somewhere, if I can speak for her mind, is let's get this singing done so we can get on with some stuff here, huh? Come on. Because, come on. So maybe you're dialing in, and right now you're going, oh, so that's cool. That's cool. It's a Bible. It's Bible cool. Okay? But what is it that you do that causes Jesus to come back into center of view? Some of you are like, I want to make an impact on the world. Stuff is wrong. Things need to be changed. We live in an unjust society. The 
The poor are hungry and overlooked, the marginalized, and you're saying, I want to make an impact on the world. I want to be used by God to change the world. And when you get along that groove, then you see Jesus coming back into view, yeah? That's cool. What about salvation? Some of you are going, I just want to get saved. And you're all embraced in the salvation to the point that it usually shifts over to something we call in the church evangelism. You're saved. You can't hardly believe it. You're so grateful that you're saved. You want to get everybody around you saved, right? Yeah. Well, that's a way to keep Jesus in view. Because you'll notice if you're wired that way, when you're out there doing evangelism, when you're out there sharing the message, when you're out there boldly declaring the gospel in the world, Jesus is in clear view. When you're giving yourself permission not to do that, you're going, I don't know, I just feel kind of stuck. Can I get a witness? One. Rescue. Rescue. Some of you understand the essence of the gospel to be this rescue thing. And that people need to be rescued. So Jesus comes into clear view when you're a part of the rescue. For example, if you're part of the Celebrate Recovery ministry here on Wednesday night, and you know, it's just so natural for you to be engaged in the rescue of people who are waiting to be rescued from their predicaments, yeah? And when you do that, Jesus comes back into center view. And you might be a person who's leaning against the chair in front of you, waiting for one if it's a three-song or a five-song Sunday, what's going on? But man, when Wednesday night gets here and you see all these people coming in, hoping against hope that you've got an answer for them, Jesus comes back into view, right? There are probably more, but what I'm saying to you is, uh, which one of these is right? Which one's better? Well, who are you, right? We really want to be engaged in some level, and all of them, of course. But what is it that brings Jesus back into clear view for you? That's where you want to just live. That's where you want to concentrate. That's where you want to focus. Say, that just made a lot of sense, Tom. All right. Well, that's about all i got to say about that. Seamless transition into ministry here, band. Because there are some of you who say, let's worship God so I can get Jesus back in clear view, right? And there are some of you going, I hope it doesn't take too long because I want to go out and give those bags away in Jesus' name so Jesus can come in clear view, right? It's okay. It's perfectly okay to be you. Just be you, is what I'm saying. Just be you with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength so you can keep Jesus in clear view. Because that is the answer to everything. Are you having issues with your marriage? Don't focus on your marriage so much. Focus on Jesus. and Just bring Jesus. You having issues raising your kids? Bring Jesus into the center. You have issues with your job? Bring Jesus into the center. Issues with relationship? Just invite Jesus. You got a critical diagnosis of cancer? Don't look at the tumor. Look at Jesus coming in the middle of it. Come on. Are you having difficulties with your finances? I don't know how I'm going to make it. You, you lie awake at night just worrying about it. Bring Jesus into the middle of it. Whatever it is, bring Jesus into the middle of it. Bring Jesus into center view. You say, this is never going to get any better. Bring Jesus into center view. Just bring Jesus. I want you to just bring to mind that critical thing that's happening in your life right now and invite Jesus right into the middle of it. You say, it's such a mess. Jesus loves the mess. He came for the mess. Bring Jesus into the center of it. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Is the word. It's not complicated. 
bring Jesus to the center of it. Let's have some prayer ministry people. Come on up. Get ready to pray. If you'd like to receive prayer for something in particular today, you come on up to these people, these men and women, and they'll pray for you. All right? No matter what it is, you can come right up to them. Maybe you'd like to become a Christian today. Just come right up to one of these people. Today I'd like to give my life to Christ. Come on. Get some more people.